0: Till I'm dead and buried deep
1: within a cemetery, I will fight, never weary. I wanna be legendary. Till I'm dead and buried deep within a cemetery, I will fight, never weary. I wanna be legendary. All right, we're live. So, what's up, dude? How's uh, how's life treating you? And uh, for the guests listening, uh, this is Mr. Jake Ramsby, the uh, man, the myth, and the legend. <laughs> uh ultra runner, ultra sled puller, um, and soon to be ITI three it's three fifty, right? Yeah, three fifty. Yep, three fifty finisher. Um but yeah, so what's up, man? We haven't talked in a little while. Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh not much. I'm
0: over uh living in Republic Washington right now training for this thing. So over the last couple, what, two, three days we've gotten ten, eleven inches of snow, so perfect training weather to start getting used to winter camping a lot more
1: and long hours pulling floods nice nice i know i well unfortunately where i'm at i don't get any snow but we're getting a few feet um about an hour and a half from where i live so i'm gonna go and uh take the sled up this weekend and try to catch up to all your training hours that you've had with your sled (laughs) yeah i think i put in like what 10,
0: 14, 15, 16 hours of of hiking and sled pulling in the snow last weekend, and I'll probably do somewhere close to the same this weekend. But more than anything, it's just a testing out the different gear, testing out the new tent, sleeping arrangements, boiling water, uh, all the stuff that for the 100, 135 mile uh, distance is not as important. But when you push to that 350, where I might be out there for 7, 10 days.
1: Uh, that survival aspect is going to get more and more important. Yep. Yep. So, um, so I guess I'll give the audience a little bit of background on your your sled pulling journeys. So, you've done the, what year did you do the Drift 101? Oh, Drift would have been 2021, 20, I believe, because you did it in 22, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did it this year in March. So, yeah. You did, yeah. So, 21. Drift would be 21. Yeah. And then you did, um, arrowhead that was this year right yeah arrowhead 135 would have been last january okay yeah so you got two sled pulling ultras under the belt and then this end of this month um i'm joining you into scobia 160 which will be uh, will be fun it's uh completely flat which is going to be different than the couple uh you've done and the one that i've done um so yeah, it's gonna gonna be interesting, but it'll be a good good little warm up for your uh, your ITI three fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so what's yeah? What? It's kind of weird to say one like one hundred and sixty as a warm up.
0: Uh, it's the longest distance I would have ever traveled, and it's not even half of what you know ITI three fifty is going to be. So it's going to be an interesting uh interesting big send.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what uh what got you into the sled pool ultras?
0: man i have no idea uh i really have no idea i think it's one of those things just scrolling through instagram or social media it's different races and like googling what are the hardest races in the world you know hard rocks always pops up Leadville, the barkley marathon and all of a sudden this uh like winter ultra arrowhead 135 popped up uh turns out i had some mutual friends uh from back home in illinois wisconsin who had been uh crewing it or not crewing it but uh, volunteering at it for a couple of years, so kind of got some information from them. And from just researching that, ran into the drift and it looked awesome. I was like, Well, that'll suck, it's something a lot of people don't do. And I went for it and it sucked. <laughs> I mean, there's no getting around it. it, it it sucked, but it was also this crazy. Oh meditation kind of thing like there's there's no way to really describe being alone for six to ten hours in the middle of winter at the middle of night and just everything's quiet and cold and you're just alone you don't have support it's not like most races where someone can just pluck you off the course and you know save you like you're kind of responsible for your own well-being out there so i don't know it's just a after doing the first one it's just a different vibe and it kind of made me want to try
1: Arrowhead and Arrowhead led to this stupid ITI idea that I decided to go for. Yeah. I know it's, it's uh it's been a crazy year progression for you. Um, I know you've been kind of dealing with some injuries and stuff, but, um, yeah, I mean, you've just been like on this crazy sled pool train and, um, I mean, it, it went from, um, so our little background is as to how you got me into this was just a random phone call. I think was it was it last year how you called me and you're like, hey, the you should sign up for this drift one oh one. It's a sled pool in what, back country of Wyoming and I was like, Well, fuck it. Let's let's do it. I like I've never been in that cold attempts and I don't even have the gear or whatever to do it. So went and trained with you for uh, one weekend. And bought a sled from REI, came home, ended up basically ordering a bunch of different pieces to build my own poles for it and all that shit and finished it literally, I think, like three weeks before the drift. So (laughs) I took it out for like one little test run one day for like an hour, fly out to Wyoming. I'm like, holy shit, I've never been in negative temps in my life because we don't really have that around here in California. And, um, yeah, showed up the morning of and got all my shit out, got back in the car, turned the heater on. Cause it was like negative 20 or colder <laughs> started the thing. And I mean, surprisingly, I mean, you, you taught me quite a bit on our little, you know, weekend long adventure, you know, how to, how to manage, um, sweating and, you know, your body temp and, and stuff like that. So I just took the little knowledge I knew and, and went for it. And, um, yeah, it was just a crazy adventure. You know, I ended up going past the time cutoff, but so many people dropped out of that event because of the weather and snow conditions that they let us finish. So 54 hours later, I, uh, walked into the lodge and had a beer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the drift is wild, man. I mean,
0: my year, so my year it started off at like negative five degrees and then within, two, three hours, it was, you know, mid to high thirties. So we dealt with a lot of like heat actually the first, uh, first little bit. And then it was, got down to like good, you know, double digits it was like, you know, 10 to 20 degrees until night fell. Then all of a sudden it was down to negative 40, um, at one part in the Canyon and then huge storm came through drifting like crazy. But my year, I think the finish rate was like, 48% of people finished or something like that then you did it the next year I think the finish rate was like 18% or something crazy low like that like everyone was dropping
1: yeah no, it, it was interesting there was a lot of people like that I think you had told me about that were pretty pretty hefty like into the sport and um, you know some of them dropped out and I was, I was surprised you know after I finished it I'm like well you know I didn't technically finish in the the original cutoff time, but, um, yeah, looking at the board of people that did finish, I mean, you, there was a, a couple of people that literally pretty much ran the whole thing, um, finished yeah. stupid fast time. <clears throat> and then you have, uh, the rest of us that were, you know, finishing right towards, you know, the cutoff original cutoff time and then a little bit after, but yeah, I mean, everybody was saying, Oh yeah, the snow was so bad. And I, I'm like, well, I mean, to me, it's just, it's snow. You just got to deal with it and go. So I didn't really comprehend uh, what everybody meant by that. But um, yeah, I mean, we had, we had some warm weather too, a little bit, but um, I think, what was it? The last, so like the morning of the, I, I guess I should say the nighttime, but very early morning of the last day I was out there. I was with a couple guys and I remember just starting to hallucinate like crazy. And the, the guy that, I, one of the guys I was with was like totally just losing it. He's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go walk on home right now. So, uh, I'm like, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. I'm like, pull out your bivy and your sleeping bag and get off here. Let's go off the side of the road. Let's get in them for, I'll set an alarm for an hour. And it had started snowing. And I remember laying in my bivy, like not being able to sleep whatsoever, even though I was so exhausted and just totally just out of it. And uh, got out of it like an hour later. the sun had come up and we had four inches of snow on top of us. Um, so yeah, I mean, just crazy different you know weather situations and I mean just being out in that back country by yourself, you know most of the, that race and like going down like s- sitting on your sled to slide down these gnarly hills in the middle of the night by yourself, out in the forest <laughs> like the gnarliest thing ever, but You know, what's really cool, like you said, like almost like a meditative state, you know, and all these other races we do, like, like World's Toughest and, you know, or just a regular 100-mile ultra, like, you know, the worst that can happen to you is like you hurt yourself, but then you're going to be okay. But it's something like this, you're out there by yourself, and like the nearest help is hours and hours away. I mean, guys on snowmobiles were coming by to check us, like, I mean, I wouldn't see them for maybe eight to 10 hours at a time. So it's like, you have that thought in the back of your head, like, um, I, I really like I'm on my own. Like I have to depend on myself to survive and actually live to make it through this. So it, you know, adds a little, a little bit of an edge, um, to the race factor, but, um, yeah, it's one of the coolest experiences ever. And, and, uh, he called me up again, um, <laughs> a few months ago, or maybe it was a little longer than that and said, Hey, scobia 160 just opened and you called elliot as well or I mean, you probably texted us, yeah. and then immediately all three of us boom signed up but elliot can only do the, the half so the 80 mile version because he hasn't done a snow right or snow ultra before um but yeah now all three of us are going and it's gonna be one heck of a little trip yeah it's
0: that's one of those things you just got to get out and practice with your stuff and train and train train because who knows what's going to happen i mean like two years into two years ago to Scobia um it was freezing rain the entire race, so they didn't even have too much snow to run on, like everything is wet because it's rain instead of snow, and there's something like a twelve percent finish rate or something like that um just unpredictable I mean that area like I'm from Illinois, Wisconsin, and that area that time of year it could be forty degrees, it could be negative forty degrees, like who knows so I mean definitely not going to have to worry about climbing a mountain while driving in a heavy flood. Like we had to in the drift or anything like that, but um, it's going to
1: be wild. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mountains in the drift were honestly kind of brutal, like mentally just some, mm-hmm. of the, some of those spots. It was like, it was just so repetitive. It almost, it, I don't know. It was just weird mentally that you go up like one mountain. And, I mean, you'd be following this curvy road all the way up and you turn the corner and you're, you think you're at the top Nope, turn another corner. Nope, like kept going, going. You make it to the top, you come down, immediately go up a, a mountain just like identical to the one you just went up. I remember there being like three or four of those back to back, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like just mentally draining. And uh, I just never seemed like it was going to end, but yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And then you go to any of the, the really steep parts, like I think it was like
0: the first half there's first half of the race there's a really really steep part where you're probably hiking up you know 15 20 grade and your sled with all your survival gear and at that point is just dragging you backward so even if you stop to rest and you're like all right i i need to stand a little bit catch my breath not let myself sweat too much because then i'm gonna freeze um you stop and now you have a you know 30 40 pound sled pulling you back down the mountain So you're never actually resting you're fighting against that so i mean, it's it sucks, but, uh, it's also one of the coolest
1: kind of races that I've ever been part of. Yeah. So much different from anything else we do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The whole sled thing. Um, yeah, I mean, pulling all that mandatory gear, you either, either spend a fortune on every bit of gear that weighs nothing or you're getting gear that has some weight to it. And, uh, Damn, yeah, I think my whole sled setup with all my gear and everything I had was, like, 40 to 50 pounds. And I get there, and, you know, I'm looking at everybody else's sleds, and they have these super lightweight short sleds with, like, this little bag on there with all their gear. And I'm like, damn, I'm <laughs> I'm pulling way too much weight throughout this thing. So that's <laughs> that's what I'm changing up for Toscovia. I got a, one of those lightweight speed sleds, and uh, I'm hop- yeah. hoping it comes in in time. The guy was supposed to ship it a few days ago, but we'll see what happens um
0: yeah it's it's such a you kind of have to pick your poison
1: i mean you can
0: go with one of the light sleds but you know sometimes the light sleds work really well for some of those insane fast guys who can just plow through that course with no time and hopefully escape most of the weather but i also feel like that's possibly a reason why a lot of people end up dropping and saying you know they pick their poison and they say all right i'm gonna go lightweight try to you know cruise through this and you know decrease the load on my legs but then weather hits and they're like oh crap like maybe i don't have an extra pair of shoes and my got wet maybe i didn't bring enough extra pairs of socks maybe i don't have a cold enough layer or my hot layer is too hot so i don't have a light layer for when it's warm out you know just getting screwed with those choices they made as far as far as the gear and as soon as the weather turns weird it's like what do you do so that's like that's the battle It's like how lightweight do you go
1: what are you risking if the weather turns sour yeah yeah exactly um you know all these races are so unpredictable um yeah i mean you you are risking a lot depending on which direction you go but um you know it's it's one of those you just you Push through, and you you embrace embrace the suck as much as you can. But um, I mean, there's there's also the factor of like, hey, there's a huge risk of getting frostbite or hypothermia or you know just, and stuff like that that you really have to take into account and and be ready for, um, even if you are a fast guy or whatever the case is. Um, so what I know you've been buying a bunch of different gear and. Um, you know, training with that. I've seen some of your photos that you've been posting up on your story, um, on Instagram of like a couple bags on your sled. Are you, so is that like your full ITI 350 setup? You're taking a couple bags on that original, um, orange sled that you've been using.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely using the original orange sled, or at least as of right now, I think I am. Um, I, I like that. I like that setup. Um, I'm trying out the little bags. I'm trying to separate my gear a little bit more. So in the previous two races, well, first race being the drift, I didn't know what the heck to do as far as organizing. So I just kind of stuffed everything in one big bag. It's kind of designed like a hockey bag that fits the entire sled. Mm -hmm. So everything was kind of just like shoved in there um within you know the first 50 miles you know but then getting in and out of that bag whether i'm trying to refill on food or get water change clothes whatever it is that organization just went all over the place so moving on to the second race being arrowhead 135 i tried to use that same bag except then i used a bunch of uh like dry bags inside that big bag to organize and separate the gear so like this is my hats and gloves bag this is you know where my sleeping kit is this is uh you know food bag. so those all got changed up but even with that it just everything ended up just being a chaotic mess in that bag and started making it difficult okay where is the different things uh so having the multiple bags I'm pl- trying to see if this works I want to have like okay here's my food bag here's my you know extra clothes and gear bag and then here's like potentially a third bag I haven't decided on that yet and third bag being here's my sleep system uh, I'm trying to figure out how that's going to fit but I'm just playing with the idea Worst comes to worse it doesn't work and I go back to the thing that I've practiced for two different races and just have to you know do my best to organize better but uh i think i'm gonna like the separating out the different things because food bag i get into pretty darn frequently um clothing bag i get into pretty frequently but then sleeping bag it's like that can be on the bottom because that i mean i get into that maybe two times in a race
1: yeah yeah. Um, uh, I mean that, that all sounds, sounds smart to separate it all. I think I kind of had that issue too on the drift. I just had one big ass bag and just slapped everything in there and went for it. But, um, yeah, that the less time you could spend standing in one spot trying to dig through all your crap, um, the better cause you know, you, d- you don't want to get too cold while you're sitting there. Um, as far as food goes, I know you. I've also seen you say that some of your carb sources aren't suitable for the weather, uh, which is completely understandable. So you're going more fat. Um, so what's what's your game plan for your food? Yeah, fat and sugar. Um, so a lot of the carb
0: sources that just have historically worked really well for my stomach freeze as soon as it gets too cold. So I used to do like, you know, the spring in energy works really good for me. Our Noka pouches work really good for me for summer races. Both of those freeze away too easily and they're just difficult to be able to maintain. Um, maybe I'll take some of the spring, uh, oatmeal pouches Mm -hmm. and keep them in my vest. So they'll stay warm. Uh, but even for the drop bags, our drop bags are kept outside. So if they're outside, they're going to freeze. Maybe I can unfall one by keeping it close to my body for, you know, a couple hours of hiking and then be able to eat it. But for the most part, the carbs have not been very, um, reliable for me, uh, in the cold, even something as simple as like a cliff bar or any other bars, they just get so hard. It feels like it's more work and hassle trying to chew through that, um, than it is just you know switch it up so game plan is and this is what i did mainly for uh arrowhead 135 Two is lots of like different kind of jerkies or meats so there's a company it's oh i want to say it's called like fatty sticks or something like that um so it's like a really high fat concentration beef stick and those things they don't really freeze that much and when they do freeze they're still um they warm up and become soft pretty darn quickly in your mouth so a plan is to use all of those and then i still really like the um oh, keto bricks keto bricks have been awesome as far as like just being able to cut up and dense really dense as far as intake it's fatty and uh, just being able to kind of chew on those the whole time mm-hmm. that and candy lots of candy gummy
1: warm it up little peach rings um anything to just keep the sugars up yeah no, that's that's smart you know, i'm thinking about candy right now um something <laughs> something i've never really dipped into in, in other ultras but you know i think, okay. think i might have to do that for Tuscobia. um and i've got a got a whole stack of keto bricks i'm going to take as well um yeah well realistically don't need that many but i'll, I'll have enough to keep my calories up. Um, we yeah, have keto bricks. Um, for everyone listening out there, if you've never looked them up, look up uh, their website. So it's a thousand calorie brick, super high fat, basically no carbs. Um, and I mean the, they best way to describe the flavor of them. So I've, I've had a couple flavors, but like the cookies and cream flavor is, uh, kind of oh, like
0: fire I love it oh no,
1: it's it's good it takes a little bit to get used to though like the best way to describe it at first it's like you're having like cookies and cream ice cream with like some salt water um, <laughs> that's that was my first description of it yeah um, but yeah once you get used to them it's it's no problem but super good source of high fat and calories that are quick and um, you know in freezing cold weather they do harden up a little bit um, but not not bad enough to wear where you can't eat it. Just make sure you break them up uh, beforehand. Um, yeah. And then those, your, your, yeah, bee, I, bee I sticks. cut them up into little tiny squares and then. Yeah. Yeah. Throw them in your jacket or a little pouch you have on your, uh, your yeah, exactly. belt. Yeah. And then beef sticks. That's a good choice too. Um, the spring energies. Uh, yeah. I, I love those things. I use those all the time. I'll throw some of those in um, <clears throat> probably on my second layer. Uh, under my my outer layer, so they keep warm and don't freeze. Um, but yeah, um, I know you mentioned drop bag. So on the ITI, are there any drop bag locations, or it's all self supported? Uh, I want to say there's two for me.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, two for me, and we'll have to get those out. I think it's roughly a month before the race that I'll have to mail those out. Oh wow. Um, they yeah, so they I think they. I have to double check, but I think they want them to be at the locations like a week before the race. And well, a week before the race, I'm still going to be here in Washington. I'm not gonna be up in Alaska already. So, uh, most people mail that stuff in and then just like, well, I hope it gets there kind of deal. So that'll be the plan, but
1: I don't have all that information quite yet. So we're just kind of playing it by ear. Yeah. Don't we have a, this is a drop bag location to Skovia as well, right?
0: Yeah, there's a drop bag. It's like,
1: oh, it's not at the turnaround.
0: It's before the turnaround. So I think we have access to it twice from my understanding.
1: Okay. But
0: I'll have to look at it more. It sounds like they changed quite a few of the rules this year compared to previous years. Um, like they're pretty much saying like it's unsupported. Um, like they don't really want you doing anything at any of the checkpoints. Um, you're pretty much in and out. You're still allowed to go into restaurants and stuff. But the checkpoints alone, they're pretty much like, hey, we got water. That's it. Um, so, yeah. well, we'll see. I guess it depends on how we're feeling and how our pacing is, what the weather looks like. But either we send the whole thing um, essentially unsupported or we stop by some local brewery
1: and like grab some pizza at mild 70 some. Yeah, no, I haven't really looked at the map to see like, how the towns are laid out along the trail and how far off the trail they are. But um, yeah, I mean, for what it sounds like in the rules, they're like, yeah, go ahead and jump into a bar or whatever you want off trail and come back. So I'm like, wow, that's, that's kind of weird. That we just kind of have that freedom to to do that, but it makes sense as to why they're not really going to have anything at the the checkpoints just because we have that access to services right off the trail
0: yeah they they kind of want you to support some of the the local local townships there which is pretty awesome and wisconsin is known for having endless 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 miles of snowmobile trails and it's pretty frequent for people to go you know town a to town b to town c hitting up these little bars or little like food joints so it's uh it's pretty common in the area uh, Wisconsin's also awesome as far as just having this weird drinking culture. Uh, my first ever 100 mile race was Badger 100, and a turnaround at mile 50 was a bar, and you had to grab a coaster from the bar to be able to go out and uh, bring back and prove that you actually got there. So, like, my first ever 100, I think I had my first beer at mile 25, <laughs> and then another Jeez. beer at the turnaround at 50. It's so, I, uh, not the smartest thing I've ever done. And I was just kind of, I didn't know I was going to get this into the ultra world at that time, but (laughs) probably going to avoid drinking (laughs) at mile 50.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we need to save the drinking on this one. uh, Yeah. For for the end. But I have had some ultras where I have put down quite a few shots of fireball. um, (laughs) And uh, I got to tell you, it, it works better than painkillers do. So, yeah, that's oh yeah, that's, that's positive.
0: Yeah, the only thing you have to worry about, especially the winter ultras, is you know, understanding what your temperature is looking like. So it's pretty—I don't want to say it's pretty common, but it happens every year or every other year where you have some Wisconsin college girl goes out, starts drinking, and then you know doesn't realize how cold she is, gets her hypothermia, and like dies in the winter. So like that's yeah. the one thing about like, be smart about it, and, like don't get yourself killed because you decided that you wanted to drink at one of these bars but no that's uh that's not the plan plan is send it if we want to have drinks afterwards we'll have drinks afterwards
1: but yeah i'm excited 100 percent. yeah i'm hoping what do you think about that 65 hour cutoff for Tuscovia? you think that's uh kind of short you think it's enough time to crush out a flat 160 it's i mean i don't know it's definitely short compared to the other
0: two winter ultras that we've done yeah. uh, that I've done. Um, but like we said, it's, it's flat, so we should be able to keep a, maintain a decent pace the whole time. You're not going to be sledding, so there's not time to really, you know, get off the feet. So the feet are just going to get battered. Uh, I don't know. We'll see about it. It's, I mean, it's a fast pace. And like you said earlier, I've been injured for the last, you know, three months with a you know a foot injury and i mean my running i I haven't ran in weeks um but my hiking is crazy crazy strong which is what the majority of these winter ultras are anyways uh so we'll see i'm a little nervous about it but when it comes to it foot feeling good hiking strong i think we'll be good
1: yeah yeah i know it's kind of one of those weird things where um you know like you said you got to pick your poison you either go out and try to try to run, but with, you know, with weather and how cold it is and maintaining your, you know, your, your sweat, your body temp and all that, you know, it's, it's it's kind of a safer bet just to plan on like a a fast hiking pace. Um, and maybe, maybe jog a little here and there. I think that's kind of the, the best game plan to, to, to picture this event as, um, but yeah, I think, I think we can do it. Um, I mean, even, even at a walking pace, you can, you can put out 160 miles in, in way less than 65 <laughs> hours. So. Uh, I well, like,
0: I mean, we also have essentially have a pacer at mile 80, you know, so trying to hook up with Elliot at our turnaround point being his start point. Um, and we both paced Elliot through his, uh, triple crown of 200, uh, go at it this year. Yep. So I guess it's his turn that, you know, he'll start fresh at our mile 80 and, hopefully be able to hook up at a good time and he'll crush it.
1: Oh, yeah. He's so strong at hiking at this point during the year after those three races. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. When I went and paced him at a uh, Moab, I would had <laughs> started that pacing, um, on super sore legs, like unreal. Like I could, I could barely walk. Like my legs were so tight and hurting so bad, but I knew once we got moving, I would loosen up, but Man, I gotta tell you, I, I jumped in with him at mile 170 and he was moving better than I was throughout the rest of that <laughs> event. <laughs> Cause I had I had done like an elevation gain challenge race the day before and my legs were just oh, bl- blowing out. So but yeah, just seeing him progress from from Tahoe through Bigfoot to Moab, I was like, damn, he's he's kicking ass right now. So I don't think he'll have a problem with this little 80 mile stint. Um, no, yeah. he'll be he'll be fine. Yeah, he, in the weather, he he should be fine. in, in the snow, he's he's used to that. Yeah, yeah. Now his strong wise as far as hiking, he's, he'll be golden
0: for it. The only thing with him, um, I mean, once again, I didn't see him at Moab. I saw him at the first race being Tahoe. Is uh, you know, he'll he'll push himself really hard and kind of need that support. Um, so part of my question would be, you know. Say he went and did the drift, where it's like, no, no, there's no one that's gonna go there and help you. Like you have to help yourself. So I I will always wonder how he would do with that, because physically he'll be able to, he'd be able to crush it. Like he's such a strong hiker. More of the not having that support, how would he react to that? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'd love to see him do it. Oh yeah. If you're listening to this, Elliot, um, I think. I think Drift sign up just started, Elliot. So go <laughs> sign up and see if you can survive. <laughs> God, you know it will. too. <laughs> I know it will. It's like oh, like any of us is like, oh, there's a little bit of a call out. All right, guess we're gonna
1: guess we're going and doing something stupid. I know that's that's the tough thing, man. It's like we just end up doing all these different kind of events. But this next year, my goal is to narrow it down to strictly triathlons and, and worlds and and maybe mm-hmm. maybe we can knock out one uh at least one toughest team yeah i don't i don't know i haven't
0: looked at the calendar at all as soon as i had to pull out of the wtm i haven't i've tried to avoid looking at the obstacle horse racing world just because it kind of pisses me off every time i do because <laughs> i wanted to be there so bad uh but yeah i'll have to look at those at some point after i you know get through with this to scobia 160 iti uh we'll we'll take a look and
1: see what um what toughest and obviously worlds. yeah uh you know where world is that next year right texas right yeah texas texas on a pretty pretty flat course again so this year Mm -hmm. it was flat um i mean basically we're running like dirt roads most of the time um yeah, man, the the weather was pretty pretty gnarly this year. It got like basically kind of like Georgia cold, like I'd say twenty nineteen mm. Georgia cold, but a hell of a lot windier, like twenty mile an hour gusts in certain certain parts of the course. Um, but yeah, next year should be a, a little bit warmer and uh, just as flat. So we'll uh, we'll see. It'll be a good year. All right, I think I told Elliot right after I finished Worlds this year that. I was going to take a little retirement from solo and maybe, maybe coerce some people into teaming this next year. But, um, I have decided that I'm going to go solo again because, <laughs> I, because I want, I want top three. I want, I want to actually put oh, yeah. I mean, th- this year, like I was close. I, I could have, if I would have pushed a little, little harder, I probably could have got the hundred. Um, my body was wrecked at the end and I came through that finish line like two minutes after 12, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm very happy with 95 here. I mean, I kept top 10 the whole time, first in my age group. And I was like, you know, it, it it's it's cool. Crazy weather year. Crazy dude. The obstacles were just like un unreal. All upper body. Like everybody doesn't mm-hmm. matter who. Everybody was taking penalties, and the penalties fucking sucked. It was so time consuming. Um, yeah. So yeah, d- totally different year than um, than last year. I mean, Laughlin was just like. Perfect perfect conditions.
0: Oh yeah, everyone flew in Laughlin. You know, like weather was warm, I never got in a wetsuit, and Elliot and I were just screaming through on the team. You no, know, I mean look at what uh some of the numbers that people put up. It was ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think one oh five, one ten is the new definitely the new hundred. Um Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting it's getting wild and it's getting competitive but you know as the years go on i think we all get a little better and better and i mean what worlds is all you know half of it's a, a mental game so if you can if you can withstand the elements um then you'll you'll do pretty good a lot of people couldn't hang on uh, this year at WTM
0: oh yeah the weather will kill you i mean that's the thing with these winter ultras and kind of part of the reason I originally got into them is I would always crash down at like, you know, 18 hours in, 18 hours. And I just start fading hard in my first, you know, what three WTMs. So then did the drift. And then all of a sudden it's like, Holy crap. Like this doesn't end at 24 hours. Like, I, I got to be out here for multiple days. Then arrowhead multiple days. Uh, same thing with Tuscobia and ITI one. Uh, Iti 350. Now, the mental game of the winter ultras is ridiculous, and I mean it does translate. You know, that's going to translate over to WTM is not going to seem nearly as long as it actually is because uh, I'm going to be used to being out there for seven straight days.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's unreal. But yeah, I mean, touching on the mental side of it all. Um, yeah, I mean it's you can definitely translate it over. Um, I think like a WTM, you're running hard the whole time, or at at least Mm -hmm. at at, at your athletic ability, you're, you're going to be running for the whole 24 hours. Um, so, I mean, that, that definitely puts a different mental strain on things versus hiking through snow, um, or being out for multiple days. I mean, being out for multiple days, you got to go into it expecting you're going to be hallucinating like crazy. You're going to have to go through sleep deprivation, just totally weird, just weird scenarios that you wouldn't expect to see on a 24 hour race. Um, but all in all, I mean, it all comes down to the same thing. Um, and in the, the famous words of Javier Escobar, don't be a little bitch. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it comes down to is just you got to, you got to find ways in your own head to really just motivate yourself and keep yourself accountable and and realize like, Hey, like, well, like at worlds, for example, you know, like I always think of it nowadays is like, I'm out here for 24 hours. This is all I need to focus on for 24 hours. Nothing else in life matters right now. This is what I'm doing. This is where I need to be. And this is, this is what we're going to do. And I mean, same thing with these multi-day winter ultras. It's like, you got to think of that the same way and just, accept is going to come your way and find a way to deal with it. Yeah. Just, you
0: don't give yourself a choice. It's like, well, what is, what is my life right now? It is this, like, there is nothing more than moving forward. Like, it's either that or you, you're dead, you know, just move. And yeah. once you kind of make that realization and kind of, you know, trick your brain and body into thinking that, Hey, this is just what we do now. You do it because there's no other choice.
1: Yeah, exactly. You got to, you got to keep going or you're going to die or you're going to be sitting on the side of the trail waiting for somebody to come help you, which isn't going to show up for a long, long time. So. 12 plus hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And if there's a storm, you know, two days, maybe like you never know. So,
1: especially with the ITI, it's like, it just gets gnarlier and gnarlier. So yeah, Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited to, follow along on that one um do they give you tracking devices for the iti or or are you just yeah we'll have tracking devices and then i'll have my
0: own tracker going um yeah just i mean it's, it's so wild so like, keeping my own tracker going and i'll try to you know save multiple routes to the different checkpoints as, like the trail changes every year so there's not like you know, the drift and arrowhead to Scobia, like there's a set path. Like this is where you go. Here's an arrow pointing to go on the path this way. Mm-hmm. Um, ICI, that doesn't exist. It's like the track moves year to year depending on where snowmobiles decide to go. There'll be different paths. So you kind of have to go on Gaia and find, okay, where's the where are the routes to these areas and um, try to find more recent ones so that you can, you know, Try to follow that to your location, but you know, the track changes every single year. Um, so you kind of have to be good at navigating, which is something I'm doing my best to work on consistently. Every weekend, downloading some different uh, tracks and Gaia and trying to follow those throughout the whole time. Managing the batteries of uh, batteries of my phone and the tracker, as who knows how long I'm gonna be out there not letting those die because if those die, it's like, okay, well now I just have to find a track and follow it and hope it's going to, you know, whatever checkpoint I'm currently heading to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Technology definitely helps in these races, especially like on watches these days. You can download full maps and and follow along and they're they're pretty accurate. Is that mm-hmm. is that kind of your plan to do it on the watch or just do it on um on your um,
0: I'm going to download
1: it on everything. I'm going to have the so
0: my, the Garmin uh, inReach Explorer. So I'll have it downloaded on there. I'll have it downloaded on my phone on Gaia. i have it on my watch. And I'm considering also, you know, doing some printed maps and then just laminating those and essentially having a little binder um, that I'll take with in case everything goes wrong. And it's like, okay, well, I have basic knowledge of how, how to follow like a top of maps. So, uh, trying to track that way if everything else fails.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Can, uh, can't go wrong with taking extra, extra stuff to make sure that you can find your way. Um, especially with how cold it is and how long you're going to be out there. You know, electronics only lasts so long. Yeah. And any of the power banks
0: kind of suck as soon as you get into the, any weather. So, yeah. Um, uh. Yeah, I've been yeah, I've yet to find one that does more than one or two charges of a single device. So and that's in summer too. Like so, my current one, I tested it out during a week long hump in uh, Northern California when it was like a hundred degrees out, and it lasted one and a half charges of my phone, and then it was done. So it's like, well, that means maybe one
1: charge in winter. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, pretty maybe. pretty unreliable. Yeah, you might have to set up a little flexible solar panel on your bag on the sled.
0: I've thought about that. I think I saw someone doing that at the drift.
1: Yeah. I don't know how it worked, but I think I saw someone doing that at the drift. Yeah, it might be something to look into. I mean, yeah. it, can't, it can't be too expensive to get a little solar panel. I bet you Amazon probably has them.
0: Yeah, I don't know how effective those are. Maybe I'll look into that. I don't know. Yeah, but those guys are also playing music the whole time so needed the charge i didn't mm-hmm. need the charge during the drift or during arrowhead but uh when you add several more days i have a feeling that that might uh might become a little bit more of a necessity yeah Also, i don't know how seven to ten days of no music nothing potentially not seeing anyone for a day and a half maybe i need music i don't know <laughs> we'll see i'll yeah. figure it out I'll just listen to all your podcasts and I'll save them all. Oh man, you're going to drive yourself
1: insane. Christian <laughs> <laughs> in my ear for seven straight days. Yeah, me, Kelsey, got got Elliot on there. And then you listen to to yourself for a little while. Oh, I sound like a jackass. We don't need that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, I think we touched on just about Everything for winter stuff. Um you gotta you have to go back to work after uh to Scobia, right?
0: Uh yeah. I'll I'll be I don't I gotta call my parents. I might be I might go straight from Toscovia back to Washington here, or I might go back home for another day or two, and just you know, visit with the visit with the parents since I'm always gone. Yeah. Um we'll see. I'll kinda talk to them, but I'll be home during the whole holiday. Um, like Christmas Eve till January 3rd or whenever this race ends.
1: Yeah, definitely. Isn't it, is it January 1st or second when it ends? Uh, oh, I don't remember. I think it's, it's the first actually. Cause we have till 11. Let me see. Uh, yeah. Until 11 PM, January 1st. Cause we start 6 AM on the 30th. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Well, you're invited, but I know you already have your plans. But myself and Kelsey and Elliot, we are flying out at 6 a.m. Monday morning, the day after this whole thing ends, which is going to be absurd and going to suck ass. But we're flying out to Cosmo, Mexico, and staying there until Friday. Jeez. (laughs) So we're going from gnarly snow (laughs) to to the beach, buddy. So if you want to come. That
0: actually sounds pretty
1: good because it's like,
0: it's negative something degrees here right now. So I, going from snow to more snow sounds horrible, but I guess it's kind of what I need since uh, I'll be heading to ITI a couple months after this one. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll look into it. Probably not, but that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah.
1: The, the flights there from Minneapolis are actually pretty cheap. It was like 200 bucks.
0: Huh?
1: Yeah, not bad. I mean, flying back, well flying back for us back to California was a little pricey, but um and staying there is not not too bad. And they got some nice all-inclusive res- uh resorts there that pretty, I don't know, fairly fairly priced, but yeah, the flight there we were like shoot, we can't beat that. I mean, like 200, uh, maybe it's just like a hair over 200 bucks to get there.
0: That's that's really not bad. Yeah, I'll look into it for sure. That's uh, that'd be
1: crazy. Add more craziness today <laughs> i know it's gonna be so weird going from just completely destroying the body for three days straight in negative weather to to the beach
0: <laughs> well i'm just thinking like you'd show up in paradise mexico and you're gonna have to carry all your gear with so you're <laughs> gonna show up and it's like oh here's all my winter expedition gear that you're <laughs> unloading <laughs> into some mexican resort
1: i know that'd be, be hilarious like, what? <laughs> Well, that's like, right. I got that. Here's so- my negative 40 degree <laughs> sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a couple of suitcases and that new sled I got, I can unbolt it and roll it up. So I'm not going to have to physically carry my sled and poles like I did in the drift, which is hilarious going to the airport. And you I, you did the same thing, right? On your oh race. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, uh,
0: I take Saran Wrap and I wrap my bag <laughs> to, my, to my sled. So I'm carrying around this little, uh, Orange sled all over the place on my shoulder through the
1: airport. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's a pain in the ass. Everyone looks at you like, what in the hell is this guy doing? Like what what's he carrying? Yeah, you get some looks for sure. Yeah. Well, cool man. Trust me, I'm not weird, I'm cool. (laughs) Yeah, no. No one's gonna believe that. I know, they're gonna be like, you know, like (laughs) even even after the event, it's like people looking at you and you're just thinking you have no idea what I just went through. <laughs> While you uh, were in your cozy bed. bed, I was out in the backcountry getting wind blasted by negative 20-degree weather and snow. and yeah,
0: Good. Hearing wolves, yeah. Minnesota at Arrowhead, we were hearing wolves howling and stuff. So.
1: Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't want that. There are wolves in that part of Wisconsin, so who knows? yeah nah, we'll be all right at least at least we're together and not not going solo true that true that cool <laughs> well cool man well, I'm glad I finally got you on here and uh keep up the awesome training um do you want to tell people where they can follow you
0: uh yeah, so big one that I try to post on somewhat regularly is gonna be Instagram that'll be uh, crazy.doctor, crazy dot doctor just b r dot jake um yeah so follow along i'll trying to do my best to post more updates of the whole training plan and you know what i'm up to but i'm not necessarily good at it but we'll try
1: no no you, you are good at it you've been you've been posting a lot and i see you're dumping some snow into some water in a bathtub so are, are you are you jumping on oh, my, yeah. my ice bath game here Oh, I showed
0: you the ice bath, <laughs> no, child.
1: No, I, I know. <laughs> I, know you did.
0: <laughs> I introduced you to the ice bath. Yeah, no, I'm i uh, I'm, I'm getting on that game. I've been doing a little bit of cold exposure, but especially this month, I'm gonna try to pretty much do every weekday. Um, I'll be doing uh, more and more cold exposure into my little bathtub, I'm trying to get a better setup here. But it's difficult as a traveling therapist to, you know, have a consistent setup. So we'll see getting cold weekends. I won't do it cause I'll be out in the woods camping and already in the cold the entire time. So I'll skip those. Yeah,
1: definitely. Well, cool, man. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, uh, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for being on and we'll chat soon.
0: Absolutely. Talk to you later, buddy.
1: All right, man. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Later. All right. There you have it. Mr. Jake Ramsby himself. Gosh, I remember meeting that dude. God, it was probably three years ago, maybe, maybe more. I don't know. We were both in the Tough Mudder community, and I think we were friends on social media. Um, and I think I'd met him maybe a couple times, and you know, we really never built a friendship. But I, I always thought the dude was a jackass on social media. He'd, he'd comment on some of my stuff, and I'm like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Well, fast forward after I really got to know him and we uh, became really, really good friends. He's actually one of the coolest dudes in the world and um, one of the craziest guys that you'll ever meet. And He does some pretty epic shit. Um, yeah, so now we're, we're good friends. We've been on lots of adventures together and have accomplished some cool things in life um, together. And um, yeah, we're coming up on another big adventure um, in 29 days from now. We will be embarking on a 160-mile journey through uh, Tuscobia. It's actually in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. So it's a Tuscobia Trail. It's all flat, 80 miles out, 80 miles back, basically self-supported. You can use the towns that follow along the trail. But um, it is going to be freaking awesome. I'm excited for it. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one.